Would you go with me in the scriptures, please, to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 10:5, talking about the Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage under Moses' leadership. Said, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples. Say that out loud. These things were whose examples? Our examples. We're, you, it's a big mistake to neglect your Old Testament because it is full of beautiful types that allow us to understand the realities of these things in Christ. And uh, we are supposed to see ourselves in what happened with the Israelites. And there's two big examples in this. There's examples of faith, like Joshua and Caleb. And there's examples of unbelief, like those that perished in the wilderness. And we're supposed to learn what to do and how to believe. We're supposed to learn what not to do. Because even though our relationship has changed because of the new covenant, Faith works exactly the same today as it did in Abraham's time. It hasn't changed at all. And so uh, all the lessons about faith, there is vibrant and applicable today and for the next million years. Everything we learn about faith, every bit we've developed, we take with us into the next life. Now, uh, he said, don't... uh, These things were our examples. And now in verse 11, he said it again. Now all these things happened to them. And it describes their challenges and trials and failures from the time he brought them out of Egypt till he finally got them into the promised land, the the following generation. All these things happened to them for examples or examples, and they are written for our admonition. Said out loud, all those things. I'm talking about in the Old Testament here. Therefore, my example. And they're written for my admonition. And admonition could be summed up, in my thinking, in two words, warning and instruction. We're supposed to get warning and we're supposed to get instruction from these things. So go with me back to Numbers 13 again. And... Uh, In the very beginning of the chapter, you see that um, they were told to uh, pick out individuals that were, actually, they were going to go on a reconnaissance mission. And they were leaders of uh, thousands, these individuals, and more. And uh, he told them in verse 17, Numbers 13, 17, to go and search the land Because nobody had ever seen it in this camp. Like we said Monday, you couldn't Google it. Nobody had ever seen anything about it. He said, go see what it's like, who's there, if they're weak, if they're strong, if the cities are big or small, what the land's like, if there's any forest. Go find out. And he said, be be courageous, bring us some samples. And uh, in fact, do we have that picture that I gave you guys, do we, can, can we put that up? I found a picture. This is from 2009. 
Israel. Praise God. Still producing some serious grapes. But now with that man standing beside that one right there. Especially you can see. If you're going to carry that any distance. It'd be good to have a couple of guys. Right? (laughs) And a staff. And this is what we're told about. Why they named the place Eshkol. Which means cluster. Praise God. The Lord had told them. It's a land that flows. With milk and honey. He had told them. He said. I have spied this out for you. That's before the spies ever went. God said I spied it out for you. And he said. It is the beauty. And glory. Of all lands. I think it was even much more glorious then. Than now in some ways. You know the whole earth. The Bible said. Is groaning and travailing. The earth is actually aging. Well it's made out of the same. A substance our body is made out of. And so it's aging. And it's not fixable. The elements are going to be melted. With fervent heat. How, how this is going to end. Is very clearly laid out. Something's going to happen to our sun. Our star. And the earth surface. Is going to melt. Somebody said you believe in global warming. I go beyond that. <laughs> I believe in global melting. (laughs) And the Lord is going to create a new heavens and a new earth wherein is no curse. We've never been in a place like that where there's zero curse and there will be no sorrow, no pain, no crying, no dying. When your body is changed, it'll never age again. Somebody say glory to God. For us, this is as bad as it gets. What's happening right now is as rough and as bad as it gets. For the unbeliever, this is as good as it gets. Keep reading. It said they, when they came back, verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and they brought back word to them and unto all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. So we know there were 600 plus thousand soldiers. Add to that the women and the children and older people. And so you got at least a million people, maybe two million people and they're all gathered out here to hear the results of the reconnaissance mission. And they've all, and they're, you know, I guess they had to form lines and all these people to see these grapes and everything. And so this has been going on for some time. And there's a buzz all through the uh, hundreds of thousands and their camps and tribes. And did you see those grapes? Did you see those grapes? It's really true. What God said, it is the beauty and glory of all lands. God has picked us out. The most amazing place. Let me just stop right here. Is this just history? Come on help me out. Why is this written in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? It's an example for who? Me. And it's written for my warning and my instruction. What is Canaan's land a type of? Is there a life 
so good that it overflows with goodness. And the grapes are so big, takes two guys to haul them. Come on, is there, is, is there a blessing so strong and, uh, and prospering and, and health and sustaining until you have to take out the, the old car that you bought last year <laughs> to put the new cars in? You got to take out the old clothes this just last season. I'm quoting scriptures. Am I, am I preachers? Is there a life that is abundance to the full until it overflows? That's John 10.10, why Jesus said he came. We must not let ourselves just read this as history only. It is accurate history. But there's an application for us. We must see ourselves. And there are answers here. We know before finishing reading this that most of these people did not enjoy the promised land in their lifetime that we're about to read about. Even many years later, if you read Joshua and Judges, it says many years after that, what was it, uh, over half the tribes had not possessed their possessions yet either. Many years. Joshua had to tell them, what are you waiting on? Go possess the land. And they were still saying, yeah, but they got, uh, we'd say tanks today, but iron chariots and yeah, but they got the walled city. Some of the same stuff. The devil uses the same stuff. Well, now let's stop. What does an iron chariot represent to us? What does a wall represent? What does a giant represent? We must see where we fit in this. Because this is applicable to you and me right now. What's a giant? Something that's too big. Too big to overcome. Have you ever encountered anything that the enemy told you was too big to overcome? What's a wall? A wall means you don't have access. Not for you. <laughs> Phyllis was talking to somebody a while back and they told her uh, she was going to buy me some shoes, some dress shoes. And, and they said, uh, uh, Hold on, you know, the owner wanted to talk to her. This was in another state. And, and so uh, he said, is your, what, what did he say, your husband? Or what did he say? Who you're ordering them for? They canceled the order. They canceled the order and called you back. He said they wouldn't sell them. And said uh, that they wouldn't sell them to me, to us. And she said, why not? He said, because your husband preaches prosperity. <laughs> And it just made you wonder if uh, they checked everybody else's occupation that came in. And it, well, you know, you could, if you were immature, you could get miffed about that and feel indignant and go, you won't sell me any shoes, huh? Not my kind. But Phyllis said there's, said there's a reason why that happened with us instead of somebody else. God's going to be on his case. We're going to pray for him. He's going to get some light. He's going to see some things. But what, why did I bring that up? Some kind of wall. Come on, can you see that? To say, no, you can't. Your group can't. You can't. Right? And it, it, it's a thousand and one different reasons why. But you can't. You can't. 
And when you will hear that. Have we heard that Phyllis? We, this building you're sitting in. We were told it's not available. It's already sold. It's already been published in the newspaper. And it's already been on the TV. On the news. That it is sold. You can't have it. And that's after we got a witness. It was supernatural. We, uh, we got a prompting about this area. Which I, I never imagined years ago. That we'd have a church in Florida. It's never crossed my mind. But I won't go through all of it. But eventually we got a prompting about this. Phyllis and I got in the plane by ourselves. We flew down here. We didn't, we didn't know anything about. We had vacationed south of here quite a ways. And, but we didn't know anything really about Sarasota. And we got a rental car. And in 30 minutes time. We were sitting in the parking lot of this place. <laughs> Supernatural. And we both had a witness. We thought, yeah, we had a witness. And we looked at some other places, and there were more building and more land for less money. Better deal. But we didn't have the witness. And then they told us, well, that was not available anyway. Why why am I telling you this story? Waltz. Waltz. Will you be told not for you? Not available to you. Not available. You will be told it. But will you receive that? And will you say that's the end? No. So we've been here before. And that kept coming up to us about that. So we just thought. "Mm, I don't know. Something about that. So Phyllis called the folks. And said well you know if it's. uh, We we heard that it was sold. And and if uh, if it is. Then. You know, we don't try to get in, mess up anybody's deal. But if something happens that it's not, you got to watch about talking to people that's unbelievers. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to watch about rebuking people and <laughs> quoting scriptures. And they'll just think you're nuts. And one of the things we're supposed to be is nice. nice. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, nice, kind, nice. And the Lord said to me some years ago, he said, faith puts no pressure on people. If you're putting pressure on anybody, you're not looking to God. You're looking to him. You're you're counting on him to do something. I know some years ago, we were flying commercial and flights had been canceled and uh, the place was a madhouse. I mean, the terminal was full and packed and people were mad and they'd been there for too many hours and I had a service to get to. Was it that evening? I think it was to preach. And it wasn't looking and feeling good. But Phyllis and I grabbed hands. We prayed. We believed God. Lord, this is, this is not too hard for you. Get us where we need to get. Well, now, who are we looking to now? Help me out. Who are we looking to? So we waited in line, waited in line. The folks in front of us, man, they all but cussed out. The lady that was behind the thing there, trying to work with the uh, schedule and everything and she just really treated her bad and, boy, and that had been going on again and again and, and, and I, we felt for her and, and we walked up and Phyllis looked at her and spoke peace to her said dear we're sorry you're having to deal with all this today she looked at us she said well everything's canceled I don't know what people think I can do and we said we understand we understand well, well what's your ticket 
And we showed her. She said, well, I'm telling you everything's okay. We said, okay, we hear you. And she typed and typed and typed and typed. She said, hmm. Type, 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 type. Well, type, 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 type. She said, where's your bags? We thought, right here. She said, follow me. We followed her. She put up a sign and, oh, man, you should have heard the people behind her. She took us, and this is before 9-11. It said no admittance. It said this only and that only. We just went in. We went out. We went in. We went out. Probably said, into the plane. Sit us down in first class. We weren't in first class. She said, will this be okay? I said, oh, well, will it? Wow, thank you. She said, those people there talking to me like that, they didn't know it. But I could help them or I could hurt them. (laughs) I've seen preachers be so rude to people and so demanding. And they saw that I didn't care for it. And I actually kind of backed up like I don't, you know, don't know them. And and, uh, they said, well, you know, uh, I know that can seem a little strong, but, but that's just my prophetic anointing. That's called flesh. Ain't nothing spiritual about it. No. One of the biggest things we're to be known for is our sweet reasonableness. Where'd you get that, Brother Keith? You know, the scripture says, let your moderation be known to all men. People have taken that and twisted it into moderation in all things. The Bible doesn't say that. The word moderate there means sweet reasonableness. People are to find us. And how many remember James talked about the wisdom that, are, that is from above is easy to be entreated. Easy to talk to. Easy to be around. People should find us pleasant. No matter what kind of day you think you're having, we should be spiritual and smile. And people should find us pleasant and easy to be around. Why? Because we never put any pressure on about anything. Why? Because we're not counting on them to make it happen for us. We're counting on God. And if he doesn't use them, he can use somebody else. Right? If it doesn't work out that way, it can work out any number of ways. So Phyllis just kindly told the folks that had this listed in another state, and, and they got back with her, and they said, no, it's not so. <laughs> and they were upset about some things. One thing led to another. Here you are. <laughs> That's one of what, I could repeat that a dozen times, yeah, where it looked like, no, there's a wall that says, mm-mm. Right. Or you looked at it and you thought, I ain't never believed for anything that be." Giants, walls, you deal with them now in your life. And how they responded shows us what not to do and what to do. Are you with me? Too many times Christians give up too quick, too easy. People tell them no and that's it. Phyllis wanted to get me a watch a while back. And uh, she called on it. She knew I liked this certain kind. It was a flying watch, pilot watch. And they said, no, 
there were only, what, 200 or so of those, and uh, somebody had bought out most of them, and the other ones were already gone in Europe and other places, and so, no, sorry, those are not available anymore. She said, thank you, hung up the phone. That didn't phase her. <laughs> are y'all with me or not? Yeah. That, you might as well, said twinkle, twinkle, little star to her. I mean, it didn't mean a thing to her. She prayed, checked her heart, called somebody else. Asked them the same thing. They told her the same thing. She asked somebody else in another state. Asked somebody else in another state. Didn't chew on them. Didn't tell them what I'm going to do. And you don't know who you're talking to. And and, uh, I don't know. I won't try to tell all your story. But eventually you got to somebody. And they got to somebody. And they got to the factory in Switzerland. And they had one that they didn't make available. And they sent it to us. That's all we needed was one. That's right. And they didn't overcharge us for it either. Regular price. Amen. And even the lady, she was over on the other side of Florida. And she said, she said I'll drive it over to him because it's his birthday. I was out of town. And she said, no, no, you don't have to do that. And, and uh, such favor. But how many, reckon how many people did you ask about that? 20 probably. 20 maybe. 20 different people told her no, no way, no how. Not available. In fact, someone were real adamant with you. You are not going to get that. I don't care what you think, you're not. She said, well, thank you for your time. You don't have to try to convince them. You need to be convinced yourself. But in living by faith, and the Lord tells you something is yours, you're going to run into opposition. You're going to run face into a wall. And now you're going to find out, do you have any faith? Do you believe? I know uh, some friends of ours some years ago. This must be story night. (laughs) Is that okay with you? We went to school together. And then uh, after school, they wanted me to come speak at their church. Very small, very small. In fact, the first meeting we had was in a little metal building that the back of it shared a wall with a car wash. <laughs> you know where they have the wands where the, the motor start up? And while I'm preaching, somebody would start washing their car and the whole wall would shake back there and you'd have to raise your voice. <laughs> but we had a good meeting anyway. You start where you are, but you don't stay where you are. And so uh, they got a little bit better place, a little bit better place. And so we were there. I don't know. We had been coming to them for several years, every year. And so we were there after the service, went back to their house, and she was a real good cook, good southern cook. And, and uh, after the meal, we're just sitting in the chairs. And the Spirit of God prompted me. I, I thought, we need to pray. And in a lot of other situations, I wouldn't have said anything to them. I'd have just said, Phil, you know, let's go. And I'd have got back to the room or something, but I knew they understood and, and they respected us. I said, uh, I think we need to pray. And so they said, yes, yes. So they laid aside everything. We all got it in the floor and prayed in the spirit, prayed in the spirit, prayed in the spirit. And as I, uh, as I prayed, I, I, it came up to me, a shopping center, a new shopping center in town 
that he had showed me on the way out told me it was for sale. Knew it was only, I don't know, a couple of years old. But something had happened and most of it was empty. Not all of it. I said, uh, I want to go out to that shopping center. It was almost midnight. And one reason you can see why I could pray with them, they all said, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We all got in the car. We went out there. We're standing in the parking lot. And uh, I said, let's just walk around out here and pray some in the spirit. So nobody out there. We're praying, praying, praying. And, and, and the spirit of God came on. I turned to the pastor. I said, do you not know? The Lord says, I've given this to you. I've given all this to you. He began to jump. He began to shout. He believed it. He believed it 100%. But then, I mean, their congregation might have been what? 30 people? This is a shopping center. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we got back. He, he didn't question it. He didn't doubt it. He, he said, I believe it, Brother Keith. I believe it. I believe it. it when you said that, the Spirit of God bore witness with me, that's ours. That's our place. That's our place. The Lord said, do you not know? I've given this to you. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound, yeah. what? Yes. <laughs> I've given you this land. What comes next? You have to possess what he's given you. And when you go to possess it, what's going to happen? You're going to meet the giants. Is that right? You're going to run into some walls. You are. And you're going to find out how easily discouraged you are. Well, he went and we all know that, you know, there's a higher way than borrowing. But that's where his faith was. And uh, so he, he went to the bank and the guy told him, no way, no how. He said, how big's your congregation? And he said, uh, you know, 35 or whatever. <laughs> I think he rounded up. <laughs> and, and the guy said, no. I mean, there was nothing they could do. And so this went on. Basically, he just ran into a wall. Boom. Not no, but absolutely no. No way, no how. Don't ask again. <laughs> and, uh, but he didn't turn it loose. And his wife, they didn't turn it loose. And I don't know what it was about a year or so later. I was doing something else. And the Lord prompted me, call him. Call him. And so I called him. And he was in the floor praying about that very thing. And I just encouraged him. I said, well, if it was the Lord. How hard is it him for to do this? I mean, do not turn loose. Well, it wasn't just a few days later. The banker calls him, wants to know, would he please come? He thought, huh. What had happened is the, the man that owned half, I don't know, third of the town around there, wealthiest man in the county, owned that thing. And God had moved on him in the nighttime. And he came to the banker and he said, I'm getting this to this preacher with you or without you. And the banker said, oh, with, with. (laughs) And they called him and they made him an amazing deal and they bought it. They got it. And they, the rent of the people that were already in there paying paid, made their payment and they could develop their, uh, 
auditorium. Of course, their little flock was just, you know, <laughs> bouncing around in there. <laughs> but before you knew it, it was 200 people. Come on, are y'all with me? And this thing's growing and developing. But he read, I mean, when, when the Lord told him it was his, you'd have thought that for the next several months that that was absolutely not true. You hear two reports. The Lord's report. And you better brace yourself because there's another report that's going to come and it is an evil report. And it'll try to get in your soul. And it'll try to rob you of your joy and your peace and steal your faith. And the Bible says, guard your heart with all you guard and keep for out of it are the issues of life. With the heart man believes, don't let anything rob you of your faith. Don't let anything steal the vision and the word that the Lord gave you. The Bible said concerning Joseph, the Lord gave him that vision when he was just a boy, that uh, his brothers and even his parents would bow down in front of him. It made him so mad, his brothers so mad, and even upset his parents that, uh, you know, they sold him into slavery and lied to his daddy about the whole deal. And, and for years and years, that vision and dream looked like the furthest thing from the truth. He went to the favored son, to a slave, to a prisoner. He's going down. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. But one day, After all these years, the head of the nation called for him, and he shaved and cleaned up, put on some new clothes, and by the end of that day, he was number two man in the country. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not too long after that, sure enough, Bubby and them came (laughs) and bowed right down, (laughs) Is that right? just like he saw in the dream. But the psalmist said, until the time of his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Did you hear that? Didn't say he tried it. People talk about, I tried God. I tried that tithing stuff and it didn't work. I tried that faith stuff. I tried that confession stuff. It didn't work for me. No, honey, it tried you. And you failed. You quit. God has already been proven. His word's already purified and perfect. Do you believe? But we know he never lost his dream when the butler and the baker were put in prison. And by that time, Joseph has become head over the prison too. You know, the the saying, cream rises to the top. Everywhere they put him, that grace on him, that administration gift caused him, people just turn everything over to him because it went so well when he ran it. And he bops into their cell one day and says, why are y'all so sad in here today? He's in the same prison they're in. (laughs) Eating the same food they're eating. Right? Same smelly place there. Why are you so sad? What do you know? He's in prison. The prison didn't get in him. Pressure's been coming against him, trying to knock him down, tell him he's nothing. He's property. He's less than property. Come on, can you see that? And this vision is so giant size, how could it ever possibly come to pass? He obviously never turned it loose. For years 
He kept believing, kept expecting that to come to pass. So he was glad, but he wasn't just shocked when the call came for him to come out of there. Keep reading. Numbers 13. They said, verse 27, we came to the land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, here's where it went wrong. Some translations say, but. You know, you can mess up a perfectly good (laughs) repentance (laughs) with a but. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I I said that to you and and I did that. But. (laughs) You know, if y'all hadn't been so mean to me. (laughs) And if this, well, you just, you didn't repent. And uh, you can mess up a perfectly good prayer. Pray a great prayer. And go, yeah, we, we, we prayed. We did. But, you know, you win a few. You lose a few. That's the way the old ball bounces. We ain't bouncing the old ball no more. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Is that right? <laughs> Watch, watch out for the butt. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Who's this written for? Me and you. Our instruction. Our warning. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. In the south, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites are in the mountains. Canaanites are by the sea. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people. Now we've seen an example of unbelief. What are we about to see right now? An example of faith. I don't care if two million people are screaming and yelling and crying. Ain't no way. And if all the statistics and numbers say ain't no way. Faith. Well, stand up in the middle of it and say, not only is there a way, let's do it now. We are well able. They said, no way. He said, well able. Well able. And they saw the same things. He's one of the 12 spies. He saw the same giants they saw. He saw the same walled cities they saw. But his reaction is completely different. Sometimes people try to leave the impression, yeah, but my trials and tests are so much worse than everybody else's is why I'm always depressed and crying. Wrong. The scripture says there's no temptation, no trial taken to you, but such as is common to man. And these things are being accomplished in our brethren throughout the world, Peter said. It's just not true. You're just being a bigger baby about it. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Caleb said, hush, hush, hush. Now you're going to see this in a little bit. Faith irritates unbelief. And unbelief irritates faith. 
(laughs) Faith irritates unbelief. And unbelief irritates faith. Do you remember there were occasions where Jesus was uh, angered because of people's unbelief? He's not passive about it. He's not just indifferent about it. It's irritating him. It's bugging him. Why? We're going to see that clearer and clearer as we go. There are actually two kinds of unbelief. Two kinds. There are actually two sets of Greek words describing these two kinds of unbelief. Let me finish reading that and then I'll I'll say some more about that. Verse 31, the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. Two completely different things. We are well able, we're not able. And they brought up a what? A what? Evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw the giant sons of Anak which are of the giants. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. That's true. So we were in their sight. That's not true. The people of the land did not see them that way. They had already heard about all the things that had happened in Egypt. And they had heard and actually I'm sure had said spies to go out and check. The glory of God leads these two million people. It's a supernatural spectacle that you can see with your eyes. Cloud by day and a pillar of fire. I mean, it's, it's an astonishing thing to just stand there and look at it. And I don't care how big a giant you are. Who wants to mess with that? Rahab had said later, the fear of them had fallen on them. Their hearts had melted when they heard they were coming. Probably a number of them would have just given up. Would have just surrendered if they'd have come right then. We're like brother, I heard brother Copeland say here a while back, doing what they did gave the enemy 40 years to prepare. You never want to give your enemy 40 years to get ready to fight you. (laughs) Everybody say evil report. Evil report. Go with me. If you would, uh, Timothy, please. Thank you, Father. First Timothy, first chapter, verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul said, first Timothy 1.12, who has enabled me for that he's counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry This is something that blesses me. The Lord counted me faithful before I ever did anything. (laughs) He knows your heart. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows if you mess up, you're going to repent. You're willing to repent. You're willing to get it. If you fall, he'll pick you up. You're willing to get back up. He counted you faithful before you ever did any ministry. 
You know, when the father spoke to Jesus when he was baptized in the river Jordan, he said, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. At that point, Jesus had preached no messages, no miracles. God's looking at the heart, not just results. He put me in the ministry, verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. He tried to destroy the church before he got saved. But I obtained mercy. Somebody say, thank God for his mercy. Because I did it what? Ignorantly in unbelief. There is an unbelief that is the result of ignorance. This is the first kind of unbelief we're talking about. And uh, there is mercy because the Lord knows what you don't know. There are actually different words translated here unbelief in some other places. It literally means lack of faith or faithlessness. Faithlessness. He was faithless in the Lord because of how ignorant he was. But when he met the Lord and he found out some things, he changed. He was saved and became stronger for the church than he had been against it. This is that ignorant unbelief. But go with me to Hebrews, the third chapter, and you see another kind. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 7, there's something the Lord refers to repeatedly in this passage, chapter 3 and chapter 4, called the provocation. The provocation, referring to what happened with the Israelites. In these passages we're reading about, both a little bit prior to this and after this, that whole story and account of them not cooperating with him. He said, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. One word for provocation means irritation. Irritation and provoking. It can involve the idea of tempting. In the day of temptation, you see the next word, In the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, tested me, proved me, saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved. That also means vexed. You know, the psalmist said they turned and vexed. They vexed him and limited the Holy One of Israel. I was grieved with that generation and and said they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Now the word always implies they just keep on doing it. And they're going to keep on doing it. Now we talked about this Monday, but I want to get back to it. He said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. Now that's us. Lest there be in any of you, what? An evil heart of unbelief. Why was it an evil report? It came 
out of evil unbelief. Can you see that? Evil begets evil. The Lord had said, you know, good fruit comes from a good tree. Bad fruit comes from a bad tree. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He went on to say, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. And at one point later in this passage in Numbers, he said, I'm going to take your words that you said about dying in the wilderness. Is that right? Who chose those words? God didn't choose them. And he said, that's what's going to happen to you. And he said, these men that have tempted me these ten times. Now, now, just back in chapter, we read in chapter 13, back in chapter 11 is where they tempted God about the food. They said, we are sick and fed up of manna. It's manna in the morning, manna at lunch, manna when the sun goes down, manna cakes, manna shakes, manna fries. <laughs> Let, let's just pause here. What would they have if they didn't have the manna? Nothing. They'd be starving to death. Unthankful. And God's plan never was for them to live on manna forever. It's temporary rations to get you across the desert to the promised land. Right? Supernatural. And then they begin to look back and long. And they said, back in Egypt. Back in Egypt. In the good old days. We ate watermelon. Watermelon under the shade tree. And we had onions and garlics. Oh, it was so good. You were a slave, dummy. Slave. Did you forget that? That slipped your mind? (laughs) Why am I talking about this? This irritated the Lord. Because this is completely unreasonable and unnecessary. God has demonstrated in every one of those plagues on Egypt, his power, his caring for them. When the firstborn in Egypt died, none of theirs did. He protected even their cows. I mean, even when there was darkness there, there was light in the land of Goshen. How many times do you have to prove to somebody that you love them and that they can trust you? Here is something I didn't always see. There are cases where people are not going to change. And only the Lord knows when that is. But you don't need to be shocked and take it to heart when they don't. Samuel was bothered by Saul. And he grieved for Saul until the Lord told him, stop it. Didn't he? Do you remember? Have you read the scripture? He said, stop it. Get up, fill your horn with oil, and go. That's a message right there. And anoint whom I tell you to, and that wound up one of Jesse's sons, David. There's another kind of unbelief. And it's evil because it is unpersuadable. 
One's because of ignorance. The other one is a refusal to believe. And there are cases where it wouldn't matter if you proved to people a thousand times and ten thousand times that you loved them, they're still going to come back and believe a lie of the devil. You don't really love me. You don't really, you don't really. Well, you've demonstrated they can trust you, but they're never going to trust. It's a choice. And the Lord knew the reason this first generation wound up in the wilderness. And they all wandered around out there in circles for 40 years until all that bunch died out. Is because the Lord knew they're never going to change. And the only way to move forward is without them. There were only two individual exceptions. Joshua and Caleb. Because they had another spirit. A spirit that would follow God fully. And trust God fully. God has already proven to us how much he loves us. Right? To reach up and shake a fist and go, God, where are you? You know, why did you let me down? When he's answered a hundred thousand prayers for you and done so much for you and you know better, it gets past ignorance into evil. Come on, can you see this, friend? And if you won't judge yourself about it, you can wind up being judged. And that's not God being hard and cruel. That's just because he knows you'll get to a place where you're not going to change. You're not going to change. He's created all of us with a completely free heart, free spirit, free will. He's not going to force anybody to submit to his will and plan, no matter how much it costs them if they don't. He won't make them. You can't. Don't try. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't condemn. He convinces. And he, the Lord's not the good cowboy who drives the herd. He's the good shepherd. He calls. He says, come on. Come on. I got the promised land for you right over here. I'm telling you it's good. It is so good. It's going to exceed all your dreams and expectations. Come on. Come on. But what if you won't follow? Then you won't follow. And he won't make you. And we don't live down here forever. If you live 100 plus years, you live 120 plus. It's going to come and go. Like a flash. And we have at different times in our life. Windows. Of opportunity. Most of it we don't realize. But there's a period of time. If we don't get started on it by now. We won't be here by this time. And we'll be coming short by that time. And there's a point in your life. Where you've missed that window of opportunity. And there's a point. Many people get to. Where they're breathing their last. They're leaving here. And they realize 
I should have done so much more. And they thought they'd have more time. The only way to get it right is to be led every day. Follow the leading of the Lord. But it takes faith to follow the leading of the Lord because when he directs you to do something, what are you going to see right after that? Giants, (laughs) iron chariots, and walls. But are you a Caleb? A Joshua? Come on, I want to see. I'm looking for some spark in your eye. Are you a Caleb and a Joshua? Just like Phyllis, somebody tells you no, you say, next. Who else can I talk to? (laughs) 20 people tell you no, you go, well, okay, don't mean a thing. Who else can I talk to? If the Lord told you to do it, there will be a way. There will be a favor. But we're in the flesh. You can get weary. You can get tired. That's why you need to come get a good faith boost. February, Florida, (laughs) or wherever that you, right? And you need the camaraderie. Because a lot of places you're in, people are talking unbelief and don't even realize they're talking unbelief. You need to be around some folks, especially whose vision's bigger than yours, whose faith is stronger than yours. Don't let it intimidate you. Let it inspire you, right? And if they do something bigger than you, go, whoo, I got to learn how to do that, right? Show me. I need to sit close by that. I need to get around that. Because it's not just knowledge, it's not just natural talents, it's grace and faith. Oh, somebody say, I believe it, I I believe it. He said, verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. The evil report came out of the evil hearts of unbelief. And it wasn't just because of ignorance. Because the Lord brought up ten specific times that he tolerated their blatant defiance and unbelief and did miracles for them anyway to show them. But how many times does it take? If you're willing, you'll get it the first time. You'll be willing the first time. The thing that makes it evil is the unwillingness. The unwillingness to believe. Faith is a choice. If anybody tells you, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that. That's not true. That statement is not true. By nature of what faith is, you can believe anything. You choose to believe. There's people all over the world believing crazy stuff. Lies, right? With no proof or merit. And certainly we can believe God without any physical evidence. It's a choice. It's a choice. You choose to believe. Hold your place right here. And go back. Go back to Luke 5, please. Luke 5. We saw... With the ten unbelieving spies, 
They said, yeah, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, there's giants, walls. Can you see the choice? It's not just the but. It's which side of the but you're on. (laughs) You don't want to be on the wrong side. What do you mean? They said, yeah, yeah, the, um, the land is great, but. Now, where's their emphasis? Can you see? But the giants, the walls, what does that mean? It doesn't matter how good the land is. It's not going to do us any good. It's not going to help us. This is what made the report evil. Three big things that made this report evil. One, it denied and contradicted God's report. God said, it's a good land. It's the beauty of lands. They said, it's a land that will eat you up. It will devour you. It's a land where you go to die. That irritated the Lord. The second thing is, the evil report discouraged the people. There are a number of other scriptures that said that when they said that, discouragement just went through the camp. And there were times when, uh, even later, when the Lord used that as an example, he said, don't you discourage your brethren like they did back at the promised land. And the other one, I got it out of order, actually. This should have been number two. They despised God's blessing. He said, you despised my land. It is so important how we talk about blessings, including other people's lives. You'll see people speak dishonestly because of envy and lack of faith. I heard a guy one time, uh, a fellow had just got a new car, a believer. And it had all the bells and whistles on it. I mean, it had power of this and power of that. And that's back a few years ago when they still had the cranks, the window cranks, you know. And he had power windows, power seats, power of this and power of that. And another brother came over and he looked at it. He said, oh, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. He said, you know, but that's not the one I'd get. He said, because, you know, all that power stuff can break on you. And I'd I, I just get the, the cheaper one and, and, and that had the window cranks, and I'd get the cheaper one. Well, what he didn't realize, he just judged his self unworthy of that. He didn't hurt this brother. He's already got it. <laughs> but you don't despise, you, you don't look at somebody's big house or somebody's expensive this or that. I've heard Christians say, that just makes me sick. Just makes me sick. What a bad confession that is. You look at a nice house and get sick. You don't want that. (laughs) That just just makes me sick. That's so wasteful, so wasteful, so wasteful. That is such garbage. It is so hypocritical. It is so dishonest. They, They should sell that and give it to the poor. Now, you are not their judge. First of all, do you know how much they're giving right now? You may be looking at a harvest. 
of what they've already. Come, come on, y'all with me? Believers, you are. You'd be looking at a harvest. And what if they're giving 15%, 20%, 30%? What number would make you happy? Where you could be uh, okay with them having a blessing and a harvest. And besides that, what's your percentage? Well, it's such hypocrisy. Oh, it's, it's such hypocrisy. People don't realize when they say, this could have been sold and given to the poor. It's a quote from the Bible. Yes, it is. <laughs> Judas Iscariot <laughs> is who said that. And they quote it like Jesus said it. And Jesus' response to it was he corrected them and said, leave her alone. She's done a good thing. How do millions of Christians miss all of that? (laughs) But it matters how you talk about other people's blessing. We're supposed to rejoice with them that rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice. Make a big deal out of it. If it's out beyond where we've been, great. If you love your brother, the law of Christ is you're willing to sacrifice so that they could have something. I know uh, we talked about this the other night after the service. Brother uh, Crank up in St. Louis, we're friends with his dad and mom. His dad's gone home to be with the Lord now. But uh, I had sold my vehicles and was getting my business. And I, I talked to you a little bit ago about when the Lord showed me, put the kingdom first. Well, I realized at that time I had made some wrong choices. I got rid of a car that I had that had a payment on it because that was hindering my giving. I needed to make some changes. And so I rode with Phyllis for a year and a half in a car that she had. It worked out. We, I, sometimes I'd have to wait, but... Uh, <laughs> I developed my patience and <laughs> no, she was great to help me out and uh, so after a few years I got a car I got a sports car again I've always liked sports cars and it was a used one but it was a nice one and uh, Brother Crank it was, it was in St. Louis and he was there in St. Louis in their church and they still are and, and he heard about it he said well, I'm, I'm going to meet you at the dealership I said great okay so Phyllis and I drove up there, and here he comes with his boys, and he's got a new Corvette jacket and a new Corvette hat. It's just a used car, you know, but he's making a big deal out of it. And so we got, he says, you need to come to the house. You need to come to the house. We said, well, okay. So we came to the house. He had a barn. He said, pull it right up there in the barn. And he said, now, boys, put us some chairs over here. And his wife made us some sandwiches. And I started to do something. He said, oh, no, no, don't touch it. That's what I made these boys for. <laughs> And me and him sat down in the chairs and ate sandwiches while the boys hand washed and hand waxed every inch of that car. And he said, isn't that a great car? Look at the lines on that. And he just celebrated with me for half a day. That, well, I'm telling you about it tonight. It made an impression on me. It stuck with me. Should we do more of this kind of thing? And even though it might be small compared to where you are now, it's big for them where they are, right? Make a big deal out of it. Celebrate. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing. 
speak well of the blessing, never despise a blessing. Because you despise the giver of it. That irritated God. They denied God's good report. They despised the blessing. And they discouraged the hearts of their brethren from believing and entering in. Actually were tools the devil used to rob them of their faith. And you'll be responsible for that if you don't repent. It's a serious thing. There's a scripture maybe we'll go to in a minute and talk about that. But you never want to let the enemy use you to discourage anybody from believing God. Never. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Luke 5. We're talking about which side of the butt (laughs) you're on. They were obviously on the wrong side. Yeah, it's a good land, but. Yeah, now I know God can heal, but. Yeah, I know God, I know God, nothing's too hard for him. I know he can, he can meet my needs, but. You just never know what God's going to do. Well, see, you, you're discounting everything you just said. You're saying, none of that's going to happen. That, none of that makes any difference. What I said after the but is what I believe and what I mean. Well, look at it another way here. In Luke 5, when Peter longed Jesus' his boat and he preached out of it, Luke 5, 4, when they had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draft. And Simon said, what? Master, we have worked all night. We've toiled all night. Didn't catch a thing. And of course the implication is now it's daylight. And the fish can see when we throw the net in and swim away. For if they're even there, even less chance catching something right now. What's the next word? Nevertheless are but at your word. Oh, this is the different spirit. Different spirit from the world. Different spirit from unbelief. And different from this unwilling, unpersuadable, evil unbelief. Peter is a fisherman by trade. Who knows? Maybe second, third, fourth, fifth generation fisherman. He knows how to read the water. He knows the conditions. He knows how to find the fish. He know, everything tells him no need throwing a net. No need doing anything right now. Oh, but help me out. What? But, <laughs> next three words, but at your word, at your word, I'll let down the net. Listen to the NIV. He said, but because you say so. Oh, somebody say, because you say so. Because you say so. Because you say so. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. And when they did, 
they broke some nets and barriers. Is that right? And eventually filled up all the nets and the ships. It was a net breaking, ship sinking. Too much. But with every one of us, every, whether it's in your church, personal life, your finances, your body, it's going to always be the same. Something will come up and there will be a bad report. It'll say, no, you can't, no way, it's a giant, nobody can beat this, it's a wall, you can't get through here, no way, no how. And you got to make up your mind. How many remember at one time, the Lord told them what to do with walls? Hmm? I heard somebody, I heard a preacher preaching on this one time, he said he got a bad stain in a shirt. And said he, uh, he tried some toothpaste on it and a brush and he tried some this and he tried some uh, dishwashing soap and, and he tried some Tide and he tried some cheer and he said finally he just had to shout it out. <laughs> when they got to Jericho they ain't nothing could get through those walls. They say some of those walls were so thick you could drive race chariots on top of them. You ain't getting in there with your conventional means. Holding committees and discussions will do no good. But what did the Lord tell them to do? You go around, you go around, you go around, you go around. When I tell you to, shout, shout, shout at what? We know today medical science uses sound waves to destroy kidney stones. And things like, I mean, sonic blast is powerful. I suspect God took that shout and tuned it. Maybe amplified it. <laughs> and man, those walls, boom. This is no ordinary thing. There was a force from above just forced them flat. And they all just walked right in. What people said they never could get in. Walked right in. Somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. What does faith do in front of impenetrable walls? It will shout. It will shout. It will shout at the mountain. Hallelujah. And say, you come down, you come down. You cannot stay in my way. Is that what Jesus is talking about? If you have faith and don't doubt, you can say to this mountain, be removed. Be cast into the sea. And it would not doubt. I think Brother Hagin would like that verse right there that we're on tonight. That spot. Can you say amen? Stand up, please. Stand up. Oh, lift your hands. Give praise. Give thanks. Give glory to God. Make up your mind. I'll not be stopped. I'll not be turned around. I'll not be kept out. Oh, lift your hands and praise God. Father, we worship you. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We give you praises, 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 praises. Oh, we give you praises. 
praises. Praises. Praises. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.